Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrislebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Malcolm Foster and myself as the eldership team are going to kind of do a bit of a reflections discussion on uh, on Amos, which we've been covering lately, so um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, have an inter- interesting conversation and you're not completely sick of me by the end of it, Lee. just going to try and find my notes, hang on. Right, so actually starting off, I'm going to... And, uh, yeah, part, part and parcel of the, the discussion around Amos was actually, um, yeah, there's, there's sort of a few comments here and there just in, in discussions people had outside of, of the congregation here and, and mentioning that we we're looking at Amos and that, that sort of sometimes you get the odd reaction of, oh, Amos, why, why that? It's sort of the relevance of Amos for us today and, and that and or yeah, sort of one of those fire and brimstone ones from the Old Testament, isn't it? Like, yep. And it's for those people in that time, what, why, why look at that? So we're going to start off with actually addressing that a bit. Um, and in so doing, I'm actually just going to read here from uh, 2 Timothy 4. Um, yeah, where Paul's writing a, a message there, to, uh, one of his last messages actually to, to Timothy. And he says, uh, and so I solemnly urge you, before God and believe, um, and before Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will teach them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths, which speaks a lot about today, but also the yeah correlations there between what was it that Amos was addressing at his in his time too was very similar and and yeah as I say has that bit in there about preaching whether it, whether the time is right or not. Um, the truth, the truth is the truth, whether it was told yesterday or today. So, <coughs> kind of on that, um, yeah, our first sort of question that we're going to address is exactly that. What is the relevance of the Old Testament today? First, we've got the Bible. I believe this is the inspired Word of God. And um, I've got some notes in here, so that's um, they're hidden in the Bible in case you don't see them. And it's not, but actually, I'm reading it that way, so there you go. 
I believe that it's the inside word of life. I said that. This is not a collection of fairy tales. There is archaeological evidence and many other proofs that these events really did happen. Right from the beginning of Genesis, where it says, in the beginning God created all of us, up until right at the end of uh, Revelation, where it said, look, God's home is now among his people, and there will be no death, sorrow, or crying. It's it's the story of um, God's plan to bring his people into relationship with him. And somewhere in the middle of that, we are, and somewhere in the middle of that, um, there's been a fall, sins come into the world, and pretty central to that, um, Jesus has redeemed us. So, um, that's why I believe the whole Bible is relevant to us. So, is the Old Testament relevant to us? Well, that's about three quarters of our Bible, so... That's a pretty good suggestion that, yes, it is. Um, it, it sort of documents our faith journey, our faith history through, um, through the Israelites. It sets the stage for the New Testament, and, and that's all about Jesus. He's central, as I said. The Old Testament reveals God's heart, and especially the prophets like Amos, Yes, there's lots of judgment there, but there's also hope, hope for the future. Um, This hope today points me to Christ. That's the relevance that I'm looking for. Um, Karen mentioned to me in the car on the way here, we were just talking about it. (laughs) She's been doing as much thinking about Amos as I have, I think. Um, Israel in Amos's time and us today, there's a, there's a lot of commonality. I feel like there's a, um, perhaps complacency and even the feeling that we get a free ride a little bit. Um, the Israelites felt that because they were God's chosen people and they were now living in a, in a land that brought that complacency to them. And for us, um, we have Jesus. Some of us talk about once saved, always saved. And if we don't um, talk about that as a central belief, I'm I'm sure we feel that um, subconsciously. But Amos brought a um, warning to those people, to Israel then, and he brings it to us now. And, um, And that's the real relevance, I think. That's the relevance for me. Hopefully I haven't covered too many of your points, Malcolm. Well, I'm going to take it, from a, take it from a totally different stance. I'm going to start off by asking all of you a question. How many of you, uh, sorry, there are 150 Psalms in the book of Psalms. How many of you have actually read one of those Psalms, got up out of your seat and walked away, blessed to your heart and a smile on your face because that particular Psalm relates to you at that point in time but it's right there in the middle of the old testament Mm. so all of a sudden that psalm and others that you read over a period of time um, have an impact on you as an individual so it's relevant right even though it may have been written way back in time it is still relevant 
The other thing is we um, read the book of Proverbs. If you go to Proverbs chapter 20, there's a verse in there that if you've got money in your pocket or a card in your wallet, this verse applies to you in today's world. It simply says, the customer complains about the price and then walks away and, what's the word, brags about the bargain he got. Okay, there's reality. What happens today? Our coins aren't worth much. We chase the bargains. Sounds like a dig at my Dutch heritage. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another way of looking at the Old Testament. There's a whole lot of characters that we bump into as we read through it. Uh, the first couple, of course, are Adam and Eve. And no matter what you may think of Adam and Eve, um, their actions are fatal for us, right? You've got guys like um, uh, the shipbuilding company, Noah and Sons. <laughs> they, um, the Sons, believe it or not, every single person in this room is related back to Noah's sons and to Noah. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could uncover the genealogy from me back to which one of those three? The Old Testament is relevant to us, right? Then you move on, you've got characters like uh, um, uh, Abraham and Sarai, <coughs> and God took them and transformed their lives. And you move on to Isaac and to Jacob and to Esau and to um, Rebecca and um, Leah and Rachel and Joseph and Judah and Tamar. And you move on through to people like um, the siblings, Miriam, Aaron, Moses. And beyond then, you've got uh, Naomi. Ruth, Boaz, Samuel, Saul, David, Solomon, and a whole lot of kings. And in the midst of them, you've got Elijah, and Elisha, and Jonah, and Amos, and a whole lot more. But all these individuals, if you were to sit down and to read their stories, you would be saying, that's me. That's the sort of thing I do. That's the kind of personality I am. You find all those things. And, of course, going along with this, you see the things that they do. Like, they're on fire for God one minute, on ice the next. They're uh, speaking up for God, and then they're running for cover for fear of men. They're uh, keen to serve the Lord, but afraid to step up. Do you see yourself in those? They're keen to, they're, um, they get it right today, tomorrow they stumble and fall. And how's this for one? You find yourself in a lion's den, and you are totally reliant on God. And then you experience the wonderful, the miraculous, the incredible way that God rescues you from that situation. As far as I'm concerned, the Old Testament is very relevant to us in our everyday living and the impact that it can have on us. But you've got to read the characters to discover that for yourselves. Mm.
That's the next question. <laughs> so, um, that's right, I was going to ask that question, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't even write it down. What, um, what is the highlight that you took out of Amos, Sam? Um, Did you get one? Yes. Um, passing thought here, having glanced at Malcolm's notes, so we've got fantastic handwriting. He's probably got twice as many notes and half as much paper as what I've got, so mm. my cacography. Um, yeah, what was the highlight of Amos for me? Um, specifically for me, I really liked um, the, uh, or what resonated with me was the, the imagery of the, the plumb line that was talked about. Um, I'm actually just going to read that little section here out. Um, the vision of a plumb line. Uh, it's here, verse, uh, Amos 7, verse 7. Uh, yeah, verse 7. The chapter 7, verse 7, sorry. Um, then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was checking it with the plumb line to see if it was straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I'll test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins. The pagan shrines of your ancestors and the temples of Israel will be destroyed and I will bring the dynasty of the king of Jeroboam, of, of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. Now, <coughs> as I say, that sort of resonated with me, um, or at least the builder in me. Um, what is a plumb line? So I've actually got a bit of a show and tell thing here. I'll just put this down for a second. Line is actually quite a, a rudimentary tool, um, but is still in use today, and, and obviously was some two thousand odd years ago. Um, we also do mostly use lasers and things and, and spirit levels nowadays, but there are still times where a plumb line is, is actually sort of the quickest and easiest and simplest tool to use for doing the same sort of thing, um, and is it's kind of indispensable. Hence. I actually just pulled this one out the back of the ute this morning. Um, so a plumb line has many uses, and the main thing is it's, is it's for finding square, plumb, and true. Um, now, in terms of terminology, what does that mean? So square is obviously at right angles. Um, a lot of building, and that all happens with, with rectangular shapes. And uh, certainly when you're talking about floors-to-wall transition, that's, that's sort of what you're looking at is... Is, is it at right angles? Um, and then plum is obviously, when you're talking about plum, comes from the, the lead weight, the, the, the plum bum that they used to use as, as the weight to hold the string level. Um, and that's, that's governed by the constant pull of gravity. Um, so plum is, is directly up and down, as, as it were, um, and true being straight um, and uniform. Um, so, yeah, to demonstrate, I guess, the use of, of, of this, basically what you do is, 
What are we trying to do? Right. You hold that up for us. Thank you. Well, you generally use a spacer block of some sort to hold that off of whatever it is that you're, you're checking for plumb. And generally, you can then, if that's stationary, you're then using a rule to actually measure off that same distance, checking along that one at the bottom and the top, you've got the same measurement, but also along the way. And an easier way you can do that is just have two blocks cut from the same bit of wood and measure intermittently. The reason you pack it off is so that if this isn't true, if this isn't straight and it's pushing on that bit of string, it's not affecting what your measurement is down here. So you always have it packed off. And so anytime you're running a string line, it's never actually right where you're, you're building. It's actually an accepted measurement off um, and you're measuring back to it. Um, and yeah, from, from that you can check, as I say, square, plumb and true because if the floor's already been levelled, you know that this is at a right angle with the floor and then by checking that that's straight and plumb with that line, you've got that, that, that all happening for you. Now, the reason that's all important too is if as a builder you're, you're making the frame of a house and it's those parameters are off. What you've got here is actually, if I turn this bit 90 degrees here, and you're looking at, at, at that way, if this is leaning over, well actually, if it's straight up, that's, that line there is a good indication of the direction that gravity's load bearing on that, on that unit, on that post or a wall. And if that's balanced and is nicely in line with the, the, the post, gravity's lining up nicely with how that sits. And so that'll continue to bear that load almost endlessly. If it starts off and it's not built to plumb, you can see that that load is actually pulling that further over. It's gonna continuously keep falling over as gravity wins that battle inevitably because you're relying on the strength of the joint up here as opposed to the innate strength of the material. Um, and of course, if that wall member is bowed and isn't isn't true as well then of course over time that that bow is just going to continue so unless it's built straight to begin with the chances of it staying straight the structural integrity of that is is, is compromised right from the beginning um so yeah um what else have we got there so yeah as i say if, if Aside from the structural integrity problem and the, the natural longevity of a structure, the, the implications there are the flow-on effects from if you build something out of plumb and out of true off, off square, then the, the flow-on effects and the, the issues that other any other any other trader or, or any person building on that structure down the track, they've got to then fight those those parameters that you've set. Um, they won't just be able to fit a sheet of ply square into a corner without having to trim it first. Um, flooring won't fit. All those sorts of, everything sort of flows on from that. Doors won't shut properly. They'll tend to swing open, all those sorts of things. Yeah, aside from, as I say, actual structural failure, failure just due to the endless stress of gravity on, on things. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what a plumb line is. Um, and yeah, 
as I say, for me it res resonated as a builder because it speaks, speaks of a reliable constant uh, as a point of reference. Um, obviously gravity is unchanging. Um, and, and yeah, my, my line of work in any form of construction or engineering, um, there's a concept that you have to grapple with of allowable tolerances. Um, and it needs to be grappled with. Um, and th that's the, the tolerance within which uh, a measurement or a finish is, is actually considered passable or acceptable. Um, generally, that's a conversation that kind of has, has to happen with uh, whoever's paying for the job, essentially, because it's a conversation that goes hand in hand with productivity and costs of, of labor and materials. Because um, obviously, given endless time and resources, there should be no compromise on, on any of those measurements or parameters. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's never the case. So um, yeah, that said, however much freedom there is to, to fudge individual measurements uh, or parameters and things, um, should always be done in the service of, of those three things. As I said, square, plum, and true. Um, they should always, whatever measurements you're, you're fudging and getting, oh, yeah, 10 mils is, is right here, we can accept that, or should always be in service of is that square, plumb, and true, and, is, and, and those should be at or as close to perfect as, as, as is achievable. Um, and so that's true for us as individuals too. Um, we should be testing ourselves against the, the, uh, the plumb line of, of Jesus Christ that that we find of him in, in the scriptures um, and yeah, the implications there for us of yeah, lining ourselves with that and, and as it says here of, of the imagery of God checking a wall that was built true as we were, we were built in God's image. We were built true, we were built true to that plumb line and he's holding that up against us, the plumb line of, of Jesus in the scriptures, he's holding that up against us, measuring back and going, is it still plumb, is it still true, is it still square with the world um, and so yeah I think the implications there for us is, is, is huge of, of and, and the, the challenge and the conviction I get from, from that imagery, imagery is, 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 is cool, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool challenge to just keep checking yourself against that measure mm. um, yeah must be my turn I thought I knew how to operate a plumb line, but I didn't know about those spacer blocks. Yeah. So that teaches a lot. And we could go into all sorts of, um, down that rabbit hole of what is an allowable tolerance, couldn't we? And um, I think uh, Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, there is no <laughs> allowable tolerance. So, so, but anyway, stepping back a bit, I'm going to tie into what you've said shortly. When I look at a scripture of the Old Testament, um, I try and think about, uh, I try and run it through first the context and understand a little about where it's um, where it's set and who they're talking to, and um, and and Tom and Richard have done an awesome job at, at setting that up for us, I think, um, and um, and then I run it through Jesus and and I try and understand what does this. Um, how does this point me towards Jesus? Maybe how does, what does this tell me about God? Um, yeah, Tom and Richard, Richard and Tom, 
talked about interpreting the prophets. Um, they talked about using judgment, repentance, and and hope, didn't they? Uh, they even, I think Tom even suggested we go through Amos and, and Mark in our diaries, and and I did that because Tom told me to. <laughs> um, I put a J, J. There was a lot of J's actually, a lot of judgment in, in Amos, and um, and yep. Uh, actually, I had trouble finding the repentance, but um, I definitely found bits of hopes, really small bits of hope. Um, <coughs> so, um, so I thought, actually, yeah, this is this is a really good way, and um, that I f- feel like is is the highlight that I've I've dug out of. Amos, um, for me, was that um, judgment, repentance, and hope. And, and of course, for me, that, that points to Jesus. It points to, um, through to the gospel message. Sam showed us the plumb line. I thought, um, so the, um, the plumb line is, is God's measure of where we need to be, to be in, in relationship with him. And of course, we don't measure up. You can't quite get perfect. The way that plumb line was swinging around, I imagine that's a little bit like a lot of us too, isn't it? We some, we have good days and bad days. <laughs> um, so, what does that mean? That means that we are all subject to God's judgment. None of us have, um, yeah, none of us are perfect, and we've all fallen short. And God wanted um, the Israelites in Amos to be aware of that too. So he sent his prophet um, as a warning to give them the opportunity of repentance. We see some glimpses of hope in Amos though. There's those two times when Amos says, please don't hurt them. If you do that, it'll wipe them out. And, And so God did relent. And, um, and that really shined the light for me on, on, on God's heart. He doesn't want to do these things. He wants to, um, he wants to draw us into a relationship with him. But that also shows me that um, prayer is powerful and it's important. Intercessory prayer does work. Uh, Amos saved Israel in that moment, in that verse. <laughs> And the final chapter promises restoration. It's beautiful and it's where God wants to bring Israel and us. So Amos mirrors, I think Amos mirrors our walk with God. Our sinful nature puts us in the way of God's judgment and wrath. But thank God that we have Jesus Christ and through repentance we can have hope. Your turn for um, sermon sermon number three. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid I'm getting a little tired of sitting on seats. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to grab hold of this thing and hopefully I can bring it forward a bit. So enough. Yeah, I managed to miss that um, that piece of equipment lying on the floor there. Mm. My verse, what what, what is our question again? What's your highlight? What's the highlight? What's my highlight? Yeah, what's okay, first of all, my, 
My highlight is just two verses. I'm going to read them to you. It starts off like this. It's Amos chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Listen to this, says Amos. You say to yourselves, we can hardly wait for these holy days to be over so that we can sell grain again. When will the Sabbath end so that we can uh, start selling again? Then we can overcharge, use false measures, fix the scales to cheat our customers. We can sell worthless wheat uh, at a premium price. We'll find a poor man who can't pay his debts and uh, even the price, he can't even afford a pair of sandals and we'll buy him as a slave. Now, there are uh, four parts to these two verses. The first is the inconvenience of the holy days, the attitude toward the Sabbath, crooked business practices, and the lack of care for other people. Now, this passage is obviously aimed at those of us who are in business um, or have been in business or work in the financial side of the company we represent. Um, so I trust, I'll just read out what I've written down here. I trust that all of us have way more, uh, sorry, start again. Uh, I trust that no one here operates their business as these people do. I trust that all of us have way more compassion for others than Amos describes. So I'm going to focus my thoughts on the first two parts of these, these verses. The inconvenience of the new moon festival and the attitudes toward the Sabbath. So what are the highlights that I see in this? the attitude of the people toward the Lord's appointed days. Firstly, the moon festival. It occurred at the beginning of every month, and it was a day when you didn't work. You understand why they're complaining about it? It's a day when you spent your time at the tabernacle, where you spent your time at your place of worship, and you worshipped the Lord. And there is a significant increase in the types of sacrifices that you made on that day. So, of course, these guys are grizzling. They don't want to spend their time doing this sort of thing. Secondly, the Sabbath. We all know what the Sabbath day was. The seventh day of the week, a day of total rest. Um, no work to be done, a day of worship also. Thirdly, the attitude was work-related, not worship-related. Um, they wanted to get back to their work, to their place of work, the things that they did. They wanted to get back to everyday stuff. They didn't want their world interrupted by those religious days. Uh, in reality, they didn't want God interrupting their lives. The surprise... Uh, is the element that I immediately, is the, I'll start again. To me, the surprise <coughs> was that I immediately thought 
of the day, uh, of the way I used to respond to Sunday go to church. That led to me asking questions as to how we as a society have changed Sundays from the day of the Lord to the people's day, just another day of the week, right? I thought about those words, when will the Sabbath end? I thought, <coughs> when will church end so that I can get out of here and go away and do something else, like attend that birthday party, or perhaps visit the shopping mall, or perhaps run, or perhaps race home to watch that sports event on TV, or that I've recorded on the video, or whatever you use today. Um, then there are the times when we arrive at church late. You know, there's something that we've got to do before we go to church this morning. And we arrive here grumpy because, well, it didn't quite work out the way we wanted, right? Or perhaps you're sitting there watching a game live from offshore and uh, five minutes to go, five minutes to, I've got five minutes to get to, sh to church, but there's five minutes to go in the game. I just want to watch it because my favourite team is hard on attack and there's the possibility they win and you wind up at church 10 minutes later hacked off because they lost. <laughs> How many of you have been in that situation? I won't ask. Yeah. Don't answer. Um, yeah. I was in the middle of preparing all this and I got a tap on the shoulder. And a voice said, Malcolm, you cannot speak on this subject. You're an elder in this church, and the log in your eye is, signif is significantly large. And the Lord took me on a journey that took me back to my teenage years and showed me that there's some things I needed to put right with him. For instance... The mocking amongst us young fellas of the old lady who could not see in tune. But she gave it everything she had, enthusiastically singing the hymns that were given out every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. I found myself thinking, we weren't mocking her, we were mocking the Lord. And he required that we put that right. Skipping church as a teenager again to go watch car racing or a hot rod show in the, somewhere in town. Even after someone who was concerned came along and had a quiet chat to us about our attitude. What comes first, Malcolm? You been there? Um, I won't go any further as to what the Lord and I had to deal with. But all of us uh, fall for that little line, do I really want to go to church today? Um, the example, parenthood. Yeah, I guarantee that what I'm about to reveal, all of you have experienced as parents. <laughs> Sunday morning, getting ready for church, what do you mean you don't want to wear that dress? Your mum spent ages ironing it. Mm. Gradually, things start to fall apart. 
you're rushing around. Um, what's the word I use? I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> you're, um, you're being wound up. Your spring, spring is slowly getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And eventually you get out the door. And uh, I admire you parents who have got to buckle kids into um, child restraints. In my day, the only seat belts were in the front seat. So you pile the kids into the back, shut the door, climb into the seat, into the driver's seat, put the key in the ignition, turn it, and you hear a, swiss, hear a voice say, Daddy, I left my Sunday school book on the bed. And you go, all you want to do is get to church on time. Eventually you arrive there, and what happens? You get out of the car, the kids are skipping away there. Not a problem in the world. You, you're trying to leave Mr. Grumpy behind as you're walking up to that door. Right? And you walk inside the door with a big smile on your face. Somehow you've dropped it all, you think, until you sit down. And the first song that, every, that the music team starts singing is, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to him I now resign. Mm. Oh, here's the latest excuse. Honey, who's speaking at church this morning? Mm. Oh, no, not the elders again. (laughs) (laughs) What say we stay home and watch it online? (laughs) That way you can make a cup of coffee when the elders start talking, right? (laughs) Okay, so joking aside, so why are you at church today? Have you come here to worship the Lord? To sing his praises? To learn something new about him? To fellowship with other believers? Go home, glad you came, blessed. Or are you someone who is here because this is where you come on Sunday? It's like a club. You like the company. You like the music. The place is warm. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't really know when that happens. Um, You just think you are, but you're not sure. Perhaps you came here frustrated, annoyed. In the madness of getting the family here, you said or did something you know you shouldn't have. You need to put it right with God. And um, get yourself right with not only God, but also with the person that you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing with. Is there sin in your life? You know it. And you know it's time to deal with it. And this is the best place to be, to do that. So I'm going to ask you as a congregation to consider what we've just spoken about. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you have a relationship issue that needs forgiveness, If sin is threatening your walk with God, perhaps you've got health issues. 
other things that are going on in your head. And it's time to get personal with God. It's time perhaps to get yourself out of that seat and come down front and ask God to deal with you. where it is with Amos for me it's that where am I at today <coughs> and of course it relates back to the concept that the Old Testament is relevant for us today because all that comes out of there what now any closing comments yeah I think well, just to, to things over there like one, one thing I was that sort of came to mind while you guys both were talking there is, is that God doesn't bring judgment without warning um, and that's what Amos is all about it's it's a picture of, of, of God's that's what the, the prophets are there for it's God speaking to to us saying look I'm going to bring judgment here's a warning Get yourself right. Um, repent. There, there is hope, um, and and he warns us of that, and and that's that's what this this all is, and and, and that's that sort of yeah resounded too with with um, sort of the convictions that, that Malcolm was talking about too, and and, and that and um, yeah, I think think it's it's fantastic the the, the faithfulness that we can rely on, and and, and God's. Um, character there that, that yeah before he brings that plumb line to judge us against he, mm. he, he give, gives you fair warning um, and so the, the challenge then is it's up to us to actually be receptive to that actually be ha yeah have a clear vision and a, and a clear heart to actually be able to see those warning signs mm. and, and hear from God when he is, is giving you fair warning of, of, of when he's when he's going to bring that ju that judgment and 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 bring you back into into that line, yeah, we're all mm. called to to walk rightly and justly, and, and that's what God wants for us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that sort of was sort of some thoughts there that yeah, as you guys were talking, it's some awesome. Um, yeah, love your wisdom there, Malcolm. That's cool. Um, so yeah, that, that, I think that concludes this. Unless you guys got any other thoughts or any, anyone else, but um, otherwise, I think we should close in prayer. Oh, I've just got one more thing to say. If there's um, if there's anyone here who's um, who doesn't consider themselves a Christian or a, or is their first time someone's made you come to church or you're just thinking about things, um, we talk a lot about the gospel message, and and I think this judgment, repentance, hope that that Amos, um, that um, Tom taught us to structure Amos around, that, um, that's the gospel message. And, and I think, and I'd just like to reiterate that once more. God created humans to be in relationship with him. Humans sins, sinned, and sin leads to separation. God gave us Jesus as a sacrifice to pay the price for our sin and God gives us the opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation and eternal life 
and that's being spiritually alive. That's how I'm closing. Cool. We'll just close in prayer there, and uh, then we're.